0: never every life, if we obey His Word, then we walk in the- Of love.
1: There we go. I accidentally muted my microphone on the device itself here. Couldn't get it to come back. So, uh, good morning, everybody. Good to be with you today. We're going to perhaps finish 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, We will see. We haven't started it yet, and it is a lengthier chapter. There's a lot to get into here. Uh, We'll see what we accomplish today, but how are you all doing today? You're all doing well today hope you are. Some are feeling uh, energetic today, maybe is the way I'll put that. And uh, that's duly noted here in uh, the comments. I have friends that call me Jim Bob, and uh, somebody called me Jimmy today. Well, how about that? We'll take it. It's all good. I like it all. So, And good morning to, didn't I get to say good morning to my friend Walter Huss. I have known Walter perhaps no there is no perhaps I have known Walter longer than I've known anybody else on this broadcast I have known Walter for oh nearly 40 years uh somewhere in that vicinity and uh, so Walter good morning to you and Walter is older than me so that means uh Walter is older than me uh I'll stop there at that point, but anyway, hey, glad to be with you, and uh, let's get into the text for today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love. Now, just even that phrase, way of love, I mean, this comes from Scripture, and again, there are people who will say, well, you're being all wokish when you talk about the way of love. Well, it's it's a Bible term right here. Uh Follow the way of love. We are instructed to to follow the way uh, of Jesus. And his way was a more loving way. His way was a more um, gentle way. His way was a kinder way there was one of the presidents i think it was a presidential candidate at that point who talked about being a kinder gentler nation well you know here we are 20 plus years beyond that and uh, we're anything but a kinder kinder gentler nation and sometimes unfortunately we as believers are are not kinder and gentler either because we put our politics over the clear, unadulterated teaching of Scripture and the the very pointed, direct command, like what we read right here, follow the way of love. What is the way of love? Jesus himself is the way of love. So follow the way of Jesus. What was Jesus like with people? And you go back and you look at the Scriptures and... Uh, see how Jesus dealt with people. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels give us insight into the ways of Jesus. And you say, yeah, but there's the book of Revelation and the judgment's coming. Yes. And we're not called to be the judge, are we? We are called to be gospel bearers. We are called to be light bearers. We are called to be message sharers. That is what we are called to be we have no room for ourselves to be the judge of this world because we're sinful people too. Yes, perhaps bought by the blood of Christ. Yes, perhaps washed by the blood of Christ. But is, but for the blood of Christ, there go I. But for the grace of God, there go I. Uh, no better than the world around us. So what are we called to? We are called to follow the way of love. So we study the ways of Jesus in the Gospels, see how he acted and interacted with the people. We see what his character was. We see what his priorities were, and we follow in his ways. So we've only gotten to the first phrase here in 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 1, it says, follow the way of love. Then he says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now, the fact of the matter is, God distributes the gifts to those he wants to give them to, and he wants this one to have that gift and another to have a different gift. God is the one who determines the gifts. But but okay, so if God is the one who meters out the gifts, then, then how does it help for us to desire them? How about the desire to know what they are? How about to desire to know what our own personal spiritual gifts are? How about the desire to, to press in and to... Uh, Take some of those online assessments, and I pointed out uniquely you last week or maybe early this week, perhaps it was, uh, as a phenomenal tool to use. But there are freebies that you can find online if you type in uh, free online spiritual gifts test, free online spiritual gifts analysis. It, it, It will surface some for you. And in my experience, they're all largely the same. Uh, they may have some nuances of, of difference. They're all largely based on your experiences. Uh, so it, there, there is some uh, subjectivity to them uh, and some uh, limitation to those spiritual gifts analysis based on what you've ever tried. And, and what I would say is look at the things you like. If you like to cook, if you like to help people, uh, if you like to say encouraging things, if you write to, like to write encouraging notes, your spiritual gifts may actually be in, in those arenas, may be in those places. And uh, if you like, if you like to help people, your spiritual gifts may be in those places. If, if you like to admonish people and, uh, uh, speak truth to people in a way that, that builds them up, but also maybe confronts them, uh, you you may have a, a more prophetic type of gift or a gift of admonition. Um, and one of the things that we can do to uh, d- determine our gifts is try lots of things. The pastor, your pastor asked you, hey, would you be willing to just say yes uh, and try it out, and 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 you might find that you flourish in that area. You might find that you crash like a a uh, one of Elon Musk's rocket ships. You might find that is the case, and uh, so you don't go there. You say, "Well, that's not my gift. I yeah, you know, I, I can't preach. I couldn't preach my way out of a wet paper bag with is somebody or already tore the hole in it." Couldn't do it. So, okay, you don't do that. But you find where you are, get, are gifted. And so where he says eagerly desire spiritual gifts, an application, the implication of this would be for you to discover your gifts and, and to try to serve the body of Christ. Really, it comes out of a desire to serve the body of Christ. It comes out of a desire, in fact, beyond the body of Christ, to, to serve Christ and to say, I serve Christ by uh, preparing food for people or I serve Christ by making coffee for people and handing it out to them. I serve Christ by being a part of a worship team. I serve Christ by writing notes to people. I serve Christ by being a part of a missions team. I serve Christ by teaching children in their classes. I serve Christ by uh, organizing events. And someone among us here is a monster event organizer. Uh, And, you know, if those events were turned into outreach events, hmm, what could happen? I've said no names here. Uh, Some have a gift of giving. Some have a gift of faith. Some have a gift of insight into spiritual things. And we will get to that here in just a moment as we go a little bit further in verse 1. In fact, let's go there. It says, uh, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, again, prophecy can be taken as a gift of, that foretells the future, and some would say that's what it means to prophesy. You prophesy, you are foretelling the future. Well, a, a broader interpretation of the word prophesy means a person who has insight into the ways and instructions of God and is able then to communicate those those uh, those insights. Now, you need to bear in mind, and this is something that I would say to uh, many of my friends and listeners. We act like people have always had the Bible. We'll say, well, they didn't, they just go to the Bible. Well, friends, they didn't have the Bible. And when Paul wrote this, they had the Old Testament. That's all they had. And uh, they didn't have the Gospels, they didn't have the writings of Paul. Not until, you know, several hundred years later was this canonized and and, and called the scriptures, called the Bible, the Old and New Testaments. And even then, once it was canonized, people broadly didn't have access to it. And so it was important for people to be able to verbally explain the truths of God. Now, in our day, we do have the Bible. And so I would say in agreement with my friends who, who... would, would tell us, look, we just need to look to the Word of God. I agree with that. <clears throat> the Word of God should be our primary source of instruction. And, and so preachers who exegete well the Word of God, I mean, that, that's a good source of instruction. Whether it's uh, in your church on Sunday or whether it's via a podcast, uh we, we listen to preachers preach. We listen to preachers like you're doing this morning. I am a preacher. You're listening to me exegete the scripture. Give insight into spiritual things from God's word. So when he says eagerly desire, as he says in in verse 1, eagerly desire, the gift to prophesy, he isn't so much saying eagerly desire that you can uh, tell future things as much as he is saying uh desire that you can explain God's truth to people in a way that challenges and builds them up. That's really what he's getting to. And he says, especially the gift of prophecy. It is not the gift of um, seeing futuristic things that now some of my friends from a more Pentecostal persuasion may choose to differ with me in my interpretation of the word prophecy, but it is, prophecy is understanding the ways of God and being able to explain those ways to people. That's what it is. Whether it is prophecy in the sense of insight into things that others cannot gain insight into, or future occurrences, or whether it's prophecy in the sense of being able to understand and explain the word of God. Uh, if I can summarize it this way, eagerly desire that you're able to explain God's word to people in a way that they understand it. That is something for all of us. Now, you might say, Jim, we can never do it the way you do it. No, you 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 couldn't. Uh, I, I mess it up all the time, and and you guys wouldn't be able to mess it up nearly as much as I do. Um, but you can give explanation, Priscilla. You. Uh, sitting with, with with folks there in Reedville at a fellowship meal or or something or a Bible study, you will have insights that you, you can share. And in that sense, when you have insight into God's Word that you're able to explain in a way that builds others up, that is a gift of prophecy, the gift of being able to explain the truth of Scripture. Now, let's continue on in the verse. It says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to Men but to God, indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with the spirit. Now you've heard me say before and and there are some people who will say to you that look the, the gift of uh, the gift of speaking in tongues uh, means it always means speaking in another language. Uh, In a human language. Well, right here in verse 2, Paul makes it clear that that isn't necessarily the reality. It isn't necessarily the case at all. And uh, it is a case of speaking in a heavenly language. I I, I see tongues in two different categories in the New Testament. One, glossolalia, uh, speaking in other human languages. That's what you read about back in Acts chapter 2. And here you see uh, in this verse, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Paul making it clear that that this, this is a prayer language. This is a language meant to be spoken to God alone. Because he says, indeed, no one understands them. He utters mysteries with his spirit. Verse verse 3 says, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That is the the purpose of prophecy, to to strengthen people, to encourage people, to comfort people. And then verse 4 says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. The fact is, the Bible does speak of Tongues, it does speak of this private prayer language, and Paul doesn't dismiss using this language, but he he gives uh, insight into how it is to be properly uh, administered in the body of Christ. If you're speaking in a private prayer language, keep it private between you and God. Uh, Now, I've never spoken in a prayer language. I have been around some uh, of my friends, even perhaps some that listen to our broadcast that they do pray in a private prayer language. Uh, I will not chide them. I will not, and I know others who would, but but I will not chide them. I will not challenge them uh, unless they begin telling me, you need to be able to speak in a private prayer language. Hold the phone right there. Uh, that that is that goes beyond the teaching of Scripture. If you want to pray to God in a private prayer language, fantastic. Especially, I think some of those people really do know what they're praying and, and their intents uh, and they are uh, passionate in their prayer. And uh, I don't want to hold them back because I see many of us who do not speak in a private prayer language uh, being less passionate in our prayers. So, But he does say uh, in verses th- 3 and 4, uh, the one who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening. As we come together in the body of Christ, we want the st- people to be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. <clears throat> but when we come together in the body of Christ, if you speak in tongues, um, it's really only something between you and God. Give me just a moment here. I'm back with you. And, uh, Fact. Pick up your cup of coffee. Let's just grab a little, a little sipsy here. A little fellowship. We'll call it together, having our coffee and tea together um, in a cyber way as best we can. If you're listening in the middle of the day, uh, it might be a diet coke. <clears throat> that you're enjoying well let's press on in the passage here verse 5 says i would like every one of you to speak in tongues but i would rather have you prophesy he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues unless unless he interprets so the church may be edified Now it begins to get into uh the necessity of interpretation if if someone has spoken in a tongue they also need to be able to say now what i just said to god was this or what God and I were discussing was this. There needs to be an interpretation, whether by the person themselves or by another person. Now, oftentimes, from what I understand, I've never been a part of it, so I cannot speak from firsthand knowledge. Uh, other than some videos I've seen where you have a whole room full of people speaking in tongues. That's a prayer language, perhaps. Um, that it, but... Paul will even get into that as we get into this chapter, that it ought not be that way. Uh, so I am not one that is going to publicly disparage tongues. Um, however, I will say there is instruction given, as we're reading here in 1 Corinthians 14, and, and many places do not follow the instruction of Scripture. Uh he said i would like all of you to speak in tongues now what does he mean by that how, how can we how can we take out of that something for ourselves if you say well i i don't necessarily want to speak in tongues how about this how about i would like every one of you to be spiritually passionate because off, and, and to be spiritually connected with god uh, people who often speak in tongues seem like they have a connection with god that and i say seem I, I know that some of my uh, cessationist friends would say, "Well, they—they're just trying to convince themselves they have a relationship with God, um, I, I, or a deeper relationship with God." And sometimes people who maybe have these more superior gifts act more superior, and, and we have to be careful of, of those things. And if you are one who is gifted. Uh, who believes in the full uh, stance of the gifts for today, to be careful that you don't carry yourself with a sense of superiority. Because he says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But then he does say in verse 5, but I would rather have you prophesy. So speaking in tongues is okay, Paul says. Uh, and again, I, I'm just giving the scripture as it was written, without getting into uh, as much necessary, uh, much necessary uh, implications for 2,000 years later. But he does say, I would rather have you prophesy, and what does that mean? I'd rather have you be able to explain the scriptures. So if you choose between tongues, and, and how do you even know that what, what tongues really are, and if you have to go away to learn tongues, is it a gift? Now, <clears throat> to be fair, we send people away to learn how to preach, so, if people go away to learn how to speak in a tongue, how is that different than people who go away to learn how to preach, prophesy, in that sense? If you, if you want to call preaching prophesying, and it's not speaking new truth, but speaking God's truth from God's word in a way that's uh, that that's beneficial to the listener, uh, if we send people to schools for for prophesying for preaching, then. Why not? Why is it wrong to send people to schools for tongues? I mean, I, I'm trying to play the devil's advocate here a little bit. I don't know if I should have said devil's advocate, but but to just give a, a, a balanced uh, uh, thought on this. Now we're not going to get through it today. It's obvious to me we're not going to get through this today. Looking at my watch, uh, Paul will give very specific instructions about how tongues are to be used. Verse 5, he says, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so the church may be edified. He says in verse 6, now brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the flute or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes or unless there is a sense of uh, melody to uh, what is being played. It says, again, if a trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. So, so even in this passage, Paul begins here in verse 9, to seem to be a little bit disparaging about tongues. Uh, And he says, you will just be speaking into the air if other people cannot understand you. Uh, Verse 10, undoubtedly there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker and and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts. Try to excel in gifts that build the church, that build up the church. Now, I think I'm going to stop there, um, and we will pick up at verse 13 on on Monday. Uh, where he says, "Since you're eager to have spiritual gifts," my my question is, are you? Are you eager to have spiritual gifts? Uh, Are you eager to serve in the body of Christ, to find your spot, to do your thing, to do your part? And, And the body of Christ, the most natural expression of the body of Christ is a local church. Now, I'm serving in a broader role beyond a local church at this point. I was in a church last week in Dexter. I'll be in a church this week in Millinocket. Uh, A few weeks before that, I was in a church in Cambridge. Uh, Next week, I'll be recording some television and some radio and... uh, uh, I work to encourage pastors all around the state and some all around the world, so I'm using my gifts in, in a broader sense uh, in that way. I will take a young man with me named Ethan on Sunday to go to Millinocket uh, and uh, get to spend an hour ride up with him and an hour ride back and a young a young student paying his way through college, paying his own way through college. Uh, at our school, New England Bible College, and uh, the, the purpose of that is is discipleship. The, the purpose is, okay, you see how I've preached, let's think about how you preach, and you know, try to get him prepared to go out and do some preaching. And he's only 18 years of age, um, but you, you start somewhere. Uh, but we need to desire to have gifts. We need to desire to express the gifts that God has given us, to employ the gifts that God has given us for the building up of the church. That is our calling. That is our role. So, Lord, help us. Help us all to find our, our spot, to do our part, um, It whether it's in the local body of Christ or the broader body of Christ. Lord, help us all uh, to to eagerly desire to See the fame of Christ expanded around the world to see the body of Christ built up locally. Lord, use us for your honor. Use us for your glory. Comfort those who need comfort. Uh, empower those who need empowerment. Provide for those who need provision. Uh, give insight to those that need wisdom. Uh, and Lord, to all of us, may we have the sense of you being our Father on whose lap we can sit, and in whose faithfulness we can trust. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, hear our prayer. Have a good day, everyone.